And if you'll remember, um, last week there was preaching on the coming of the kingdom and there were questions about when and where. And so we carry on in looking at Luke 18, starting with verse 1. 1630 in your Bible in your chair if you're using that Bible. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and never give up. He said, in a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused. But finally, he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, Yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord said, Listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? This is our Bible reading for this morning. And so there was a widow, and apparently there was some law or something that was in her favor, but everyone was disregarding it disregarding justice, and so she goes to the one who should be able to set things right. And sometimes we wonder, has the world gone mad? One of my friends posted this as their status on Facebook, has the world gone mad? This past week, there was just a number of things that were really perplexing in the news. And I'm not an expert in the news, but I want to tell you some of the things that I caught either on the television or online that were perplexing, that were puzzling, that make you wonder what's going on. We have freedom of speech in this country and yet there's censoring of a 911 call. We're called to mourn with those who mourn. And yet I saw images from Orlando of people, two sets of demonstrators, demonstrating outside of a funeral. Some that were shouting angry things, and others that were dressed in white costumes like I've never seen, like butterflies, trying to block the noise or the interference or the protest. So two sets of protesters outside of some place where there should be people that are respecting the grieving process of families. Another thing I caught in the news was, I think about that we have a right to bear arms, and then in Congress they're talking about gun control, and there's a sit-in. But then there's this information that many of them that are doing the sit-in own guns. It causes one to be perplexed. 
and to wonder. Britain voted to pull out of the European Union this week. And we've got presidential candidates who would possibly be representing the United States in these worldwide situations. And we're perplexed when one is talking about a golf course and golfing and the other one seems to be trying to explain possibly living above or beyond the law. It's puzzling, isn't it? I can understand where my friend wondered about, has the world gone mad? What is happening in the world? Some of these things are just puzzling, and some of them are out and out, don't seem to be just. It seems to be breaking laws. There was a video that went viral that seemed to be showing excessive force being used on a young African-American woman who was armed, apparently, but was in a mall in Madison, and you wonder what's going on. And yet, yet this morning on the news, another video of police, both local and state troopers in New Mexico, where there's someone, a district attorney, I believe it was, pulled over, swerving, going into oncoming traffic, head on, just nearly missing. And they're pulled over, and yet they're kept for two hours and then released with no infractions no violations stated. Sometimes there's things that are just puzzling and you wonder what's happening in the world. And then there's other times where you feel like things just aren't just. Things aren't being held to the letter of the law and enforced equally. And so sometimes we wonder, has the world gone mad? I think this story, this parable is about a widow and a judge. A widow being the most vulnerable in society. In that culture, a widow would not even have a right to an inheritance that would go to the sons. And so very, very vulnerable and left to uh, the benevolence and the graciousness of people around. And for whatever reason, something wasn't right. And so Jesus gives us this story of the widow coming and persisting and crying out for justice. And then the other character in the story is this judge, who judge back in Chronicles are supposed to be God's representatives to bring his justice on earth. And we have a judge who doesn't fear the Lord or care anything about what other people think and just was taking what looked to be like forever. And then the shocking turn of events that for some reason that judge decides that they will give justice because they don't want to be pestered anymore. The emphasis here is on persistence pays off. If we look at just the little parable, the little story itself in verses 2 to 5, persistence pays off. We see this in um, American history, unfortunately, the, st- the sad, sad story of slavery. And so the persistence of a people that would cry out for justice, that they were made in the image of God too. So many of the spirituals, the songs that came out of that time, were their sung prayers for justice. And I read this week where one person said, 
You don't understand prayer until you've been standing at the door knocking and until your knuckles are bleeding. You don't really understand prayer. That is one application that you could take from this, that persistence pays off, that sometimes we have to keep praying and keep on calling out for justice. How might we apply this simple principle of these verses 2 to 5? What might this mean for us? Well, we can think about the characters in the story. There's one that's in a position of power, and they're not responding to God's justice and compassion. Is there any way that we have been given some authority? And are we doing just what we want when we want to? Or are we applying God's laws? And are we doing those things that would be just and helping people that are more vulnerable around us? I think we could also look at this story of the widow coming and asking for justice and saying she's not taking the victim mentality. She's not just taking it lying down. She's standing up and asking for the right thing to be done, using her voice, speaking up. And I might ask if any of us have been in a situation or are in a situation where maybe the Lord might call us to be bold and to be persistent in asking for justice. Now Jesus goes on with verses 6 to 8 and expounds on this. He's given a parable, he's given a story, and then he goes on and expounds on that a little bit more. He says, listen to what the unjust judge says, and will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones? The way that's written in the Greek, you just anticipate, well, absolutely, yes, he'll bring justice. For those who cry out to him day and night, will he keep putting them off? And the answer expected is no. And he goes on to explain that. He'll bring it promptly. And so the picture of it's not an equal that the unjust judge in the parable is equal to God. God is greater. He is higher. He is better than any earthly judge could ever be. And so the picture of Jesus seated on the throne that we sang about this morning, Luke calls us to think about this, to think about who it is that's seated on the throne. Jesus says, pray to him day and night. Persistence is emphasized, but the question would be why? Prayer is an act of faith. He asked that question, when I come back, will faith be found on the earth? Prayer is our act of faith. We believe that there is somebody higher that's going to bring things, set things right, that shalom is coming. And so when we pray, it's not just to exercise um, something that will bring blood to our knuckles by keep knocking, but it's actually a demonstration. It's an act of faith to keep praying, to keep bringing these things to him. We believe that he's coming back. We believe that he will set things, all things right in the end, and he'll set things right now for those of us. He'll either deliver us from evil or he'll deliver us through. Right? The martyrs, sometimes he delivers us through and protects us even through horrible opposition. 
And so what does this mean for us, this little extra that Jesus adds on? It means, do we really believe that we have a good and loving Father? We sing, good, good Father, right? We hear it on the radio, the song, good, good Father. Do we believe we have a good, good Father that's listening and cares about his children? He cares about the oppressed. He cares about what we encounter, sometimes even of our own volition. Sometimes we've made mistakes, and yet we can repent, and we can turn, and we can cry out for deliverance. We can cry out for his help. And so he's saying, are you? Do you? Will you keep on crying out for help? Within the bigger picture of Luke, if we're going to understand this story, this story of what the, the little heading says, the persistent widow, if we're going to understand this, we need to understand it in the context of the whole book of Luke. Well, what do I mean by that? I think Luke, he's writing in about the late 50s, early 60s, so after Jesus' death, resurrection, and ascension, and I think he looks out and he sees the storm coming. He sees that the world is going mad. He sees what's happening, and he brings this unique parable here to Luke because he's giving us an idea of what's going to be needed to get through these hard times. The persecution of the church was happening Soon, Jerusalem was going to fall. Everything around them, they were going to look at it and say, is the world going mad? And he's calling them to go to that place in prayer where they will be secure, where they will know where their strength is coming from, where their help is coming from. Their help is coming from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Prayer is critical. Luke emphasizes Jesus' need for prayer. In the book of Luke, eight times it talks about Jesus going away to pray. It mentions Jesus praying. Also, seven times in Luke, Jesus teaches on prayer. Why does Jesus put such an emphasis on prayer? Because Jesus was fully human and fully God. He was facing these things that are just like what we face today. Maybe people are wearing different Outfits or costumes or clothing. Maybe our transportation is different. But the basic sins and the basic difficulties, Jesus faced. Fully human. And so he would go away to pray. He would go away to pray to his Father. And Jesus in verse 7 says, And will not God bring justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him, that cry out to Halloo, to shout for help, to raise a cry of pain, to cry out with a strong voice. This is not emotionalism. This is being honest about your feelings before the Lord and saying, Lord, help, help. Can you imagine what would that widow look like when she is desperate? She has no one else to stand up for her. She's going to that judge and saying, help me, help, don't you see, don't you see, I need help. Do we pray like that? Do our prayer meetings look like that? Do our private times in prayer look and sound like that? The Lord's saying, be honest. Come to me about those things that are troubling you. Those things 
where there's injustice around your situation, your family, your friends, your church, your neighborhood, the world. Cry out. The purpose of this prayer, it's really unusual. Verse 1, it's unusual for the writer of a book to tell us what the reason or the purpose of the story is. Usually they kind of let you figure it out from the context and what's going on. But here it says, And Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray. Can you say always pray? And not give up. Can you say not give up? All right, so we're supposed to always pray and not give up. That's what Jesus was wanting to teach them. And he's teaching us today that whenever we face injustice, we're to persistently pray so that we won't lose heart. He's preparing them. Luke sees perhaps the storm on the horizon. A country, a people, Jerusalem, who were not following in the Lord's ways and there was going to be consequences. But the Lord would save a remnant. Perhaps the Lord has us reading this text this morning. And I wonder, when we look at our nation and other nations, are we following in the Lord's ways? Might there be consequences coming? Might there be a storm coming? And the Lord would prepare us now. Exercise your prayer muscles. Exercise your prayer muscles. Get used to praying because this is the way you're going to get through anything that you face in life is through prayer. Prayers for vindication. Vindication. That means being shown to be on the right side of something. To be thinking properly. And so usually we just preach from one text. But I want to tell you and remind you of a story from Acts because Luke and Acts are actually kind of considered almost one book. Two books written by one author meant to show the ministry of Jesus while he was on earth and then the ministry of Jesus as it continues in his church. And so this story from Acts, we've got um, Peter and John. They heal a lame man. And then they're put in jail. And then all the leadership, which should be looking for the Messiah that was going to come to bring sight to the blind and the lame would walk, right? That's what they were looking for. And they see this and they say, we don't know how to get you to be quiet, but we don't want you teaching this anymore about Jesus. And so we don't know how to punish you because everybody's happy about what you did about healing this person, but be quiet. And the persecution was only going to get worse from there. But here they come back, and Peter and John, after they're released, they go back and tell the believers and the elders what has happened and what was said to them. And when they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. So they all together, they raised their voices in prayer to God. Do you hear the correlation? When things get hard, pray. Pray and never give up. And so they start to pray. And I think this is interesting. Listen to how they pray. This is their prayer. Sovereign Lord. What does that mean? A God who's over all. He's over everything. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. So they're they're connecting themselves back to the storyline. And they're saying, 
This is our heritage. This is what you said to us and our forefathers. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you appointed. Right? So there's been opposition to the Lord in the Old Testament. Just recently, Jesus was opposed by the leadership and government. There was not justice happening. And this is what they pray. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. What a prayer, huh? They weren't praying, hide me. They are praying, empower me. Empower me to do the things that we just did and that you did through us to heal this lame person. Give us more strength. Give us more courage. Give us more boldness to go out and do it more. To show that this is right, that Jesus is God, that he is the one who will come back. And after they prayed that prayer of vindication, praying that they would be shown to be right, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. This is a prayer that we might pray. Lord, Lord, stretch out your hand that we would do wonders. Stretch out your hand. Lord, if, if, the, if the world is turning their back and they're saying Christianity isn't true, Lord, reveal yourself and give us courage. Give us courage no matter how mad or crazy things get. Why does Jesus call us to pray? Well, he tells us pray Why are we called to pray? I believe it's because when we pray, we recognize the presence of God. We're reminded that he is God with us. When we pray, we remember his promises. And I spoke one of those promises at the beginning of the service. I will be your God and you will be my people. There's a covenant relationship where he will protect, he will watch out for, he will provide, and so... It reminds us, when we go back to prayer, we remember who we're in relationship with, the one that's over all. We're speaking to the judge himself. Now imagine that we were in a lawsuit or something, you know, we were facing something. Would we ever get to go have some conversation with the judge in his private chambers before he came out to make a ruling on it? No. But look at what a privilege it is that in prayer that we can speak to the Lord himself about the situation and lay it all out before him. We're asking for vindication. We're asking, Lord, would you make things right and would you show that we as Christians are in the right, that we're doing what you called us to do and actually the world would be in much better order if we were all following what you called the world to live by, your ways that are higher than our ways. When we pray, the Catechism teaches us that he gives his Holy Spirit and his grace to those who pray. And so he gives his Holy Spirit. And we saw that in Acts, right? When they prayed, then the room shook and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and boldness. 
And so he empowers us to persevere, no matter how difficult the situation, no matter how um, far gone things seem to have been or have gone. He can turn it. He can change it. He can work good, even out of that, which we would call bad. Corey Ten Boom, somebody that was taken into the concentration camps, had to live through injustice beyond we could even imagine. And she says this about worry. She says, it's a cycle of inefficient thoughts whirling around a center of fear. And so when we think that things are crazy in the world or things are not right, we see that it's not right, the tendency is to worry. Worry is a persistent, right? We talk about the persistent widow going to ask for justice. Worry is persistent, but it's just this whirling of thoughts that's really centered around the fear of how are things going to work out. But Jesus' love drives out fear. And so I tried to think of, if I was going to say the opposite, like, okay, if worry is this, then prayer is that. And so I thought about this. Prayer is a repeating cycle of taking every thought captive and bringing every injustice to God. And then I take this from the Apostles' Creed, the one who will come to judge the living and the dead. So prayer is the repeating cycle of taking every thought captive so that we're not going to worry or let fear get in there. But then no matter what it is that we're facing, no matter what it is, the difficulty or the challenge that we're up against, we're taking that thought captive and we're bringing it to the Lord and we're also bringing whatever it is that seems to be unjust or unright about this, we're bringing it to the Lord and asking for his intervention, knowing that he is the judge, he is the one who will come and set things straight in the end. And he may even set them straight before that which he did for God's people all through the Bible. And so when the world's gone mad, he calls us to pray. And so the way the Lord has been working this here at Gold Avenue Church, I asked permission, nobody objected, so your pictures are up there. There's evidence of prayer happening. So the Lord's been stirring us up to pray. And so on Wednesdays we meet, some of us meet right over here in this room. We're praying that that room gets so packed out that we need to move out to the sanctuary for our noon prayer meeting. We pray for our church. We pray for our community, the needs of our community. And then on Thursday nights we're praying revival prayer. We're praying, Lord, would you revive us and would you revive this neighborhood? Would you set things right? Would you point out any sin in us or any unjust ways in us or in our community and so we're asking the Lord to turn his searchlight on us and then we're also asking that he would help us to go out and so this past Thursday night 15 people were here look how many people are here today that's a pretty good percentage isn't it I'd like to see a hundred percent of us here to pray and then to go walk is there anything better than taking a walk in the summer in Michigan I love going out and walking. And so what a gift that we can persist in prayer, that we can always pray and never give up. And so if you can't walk, you could come and sit and pray here for those that are going out walking. But what are we praying? We're praying, Lord, would you open our eyes and show us what are the needs? What are the things that aren't right? We're praying about affordable housing. 
We're praying about landlords to be just and good to those that are renting. We're praying for the children that aren't supervised, that they would have adequate and safe supervision. We're praying that those children would be raised in the fear of the Lord. We were over by the, some of us were over by the river on Thursday night, and there, the river was coming, and it was quite turbulent, and then there was this big log, and there were a couple of stones, and there were these ducks that were swimming in a very quiet spot right behind. So it was like that big log was just blocking all the rapids, And here these little ducks were just swimming. And we prayed, Lord, would you make the children have a safe place this summer where they would be protected and where they could flourish? We're praying about the truth. One of the teams encountered some people that have a false religion. And they were able, in love, to talk to them about their beliefs. And to share the good news of Jesus. One of the teams, week before last, was out and they see a scuffle starting to happen. And they pray for the Lord's peace. And the Lord broke it apart so that there wasn't a clash and a fight and violence. The Lord brought peace through the prayers of his people. The Lord brought healing, supernatural healing. Right? Acts In Acts, they were praying, Lord... You know, stretch out your hand. We're praying, Lord, fill us up. Give us the gifts that you would want to give us. And so someone prays, and someone's sciatic pain supernaturally heals right there on the street. The Lord calls us to pray and to never give up. And we pray out of a posture of dependence and humility, which is what the next parable, next week, we're going to learn more about prayer, so make sure that you're here or that you listen to it online because the Lord wants us to pray, to not lose heart, to always pray, and to never give up. And so, how is he calling you to pray? What are those things in your life that he would say, don't worry, don't have this flying circle of fear going on what would he say turn that to prayer take that thought captive and start praying about this how would the Lord have you start to work rather than trying to go out and just make things happen see that widow could have if she could have attacked that judge she could have attacked anybody but instead of taking things into our own hands and resorting to violence which wouldn't be the Lord's way He says, pray. And so will you pray with me? Lord, I thank you for your instruction. I thank you that you love us so much that you want us to remember that you're present, that you're active in the world, and that you're with your people. And so, Lord, would you come upon us again with a fresh call to pray? Lord, would we, you move in our hearts so that we would respond in such a way that we would even more be a house of prayer. We pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen.